Section 16 of The Lane That Had No Turning. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The Lane That Had No Turning and Other Tales Concerning the People of Pontiac by Gilbert Parker. Parpon the Dwarf part one parpon perched in a room at the top of the mill he could see every house in the village and he knew people a long distance off he was a droll dwarf and in his way had good times in the world he turned the misery of the world into a game and grinned at it from his high little airy with the dormer window he had lived with Ferrette, the miller, for some years, serving him with a kind of humble insolence. It was not a joyful day for Ferrette when he married Julie. She led him a pretty travel. He had started as her master. He ended by being her slave and victim. She was a willful wife she had made the seigneur de la riviere of the house with the tall porch to quarrel with his son armand so that armand disappeared from pontiac for years when that happened she had already stopped confessing to the good cure so it may be guessed there were things she did not care to tell and for which she had no repentance but parpon knew and medallion the auctioneer guessed and the little chemist's wife hoped that it was not so when julie looked at parpon as he perched on a chest of drawers with his head cocked and his eyes blinking she knew that he read the truth but she did not know all that was in his head so she said sharp things to him as she did to everybody for she had a very poor opinion of the world and thought all as flippant as herself she took nothing seriously she was too vain except that she was sorry armand was gone she rather plumed herself on having separated the seigneur and his son it was something to have been the pivot in a tragedy there came others to the village as for instance a series of clerks to the avocat but she would not decline from armand upon them she merely made them miserable but she did not grow prettier as time went on even annette the sad wife of the drunken benoit kept her fine looks but then annette's life was a thing for a book and she had a beautiful child you cannot keep this from the face of a woman nor can you keep the other when the heart rust the rust shows after a good many years armand de la riviere came back in time to see his father die then julie picked out her smartest ribbons capered at the mirror and dusted her face with oatmeal because she thought that he would ask her to meet him at the boy noir as he had done long ago the days passed and he did not come 
when she saw armand at the funeral a tall man with a dark beard and a grave face not like the armand she had known he seemed a great distance from her though she could almost have touched him once as he turned from the grave she would have liked to throw herself into his arms and cry before them all mon armand and go away with him to the house with the tall porch she did not care about ferrette the mumbling old man who hungered for money having ceased to hunger for anything else even for julie who laughed and shut her door in his face and cowed him after the funeral julie had a strange feeling she had not much brains but she had some shrewdness and she felt her romance askew she stood before the mirror rubbing her face with oatmeal and frowning hard presently a voice behind her said madam julie shall i bring another bag of meal she turned quickly and saw parpon on a table in the corner his legs drawn up to his chin his black eyes twinkling idiot she cried and threw the meal at him he had a very long quick arm he caught the basin as it came but the meal covered him he blew it from his beard laughing softly and twirled the basin on a finger point like that there will need two bags he said imbecile she cried standing angry in the centre of the room ho ho what a big word see what it is to have the tongue of fashion she looked helplessly round the room i will kill you let us die together answered parpon we are both sad she snatched the poker from the fire and ran at him he caught her wrists with his great hands big enough for tall medallion and held her i said together he chuckled not one before the other we might jump into the flume at the mill or go over the dam at the bois noir or there is ferret's musket which he is cleaning gracious but it will kick when it fires it is so old she sank to the floor why does he clean the musket she asked fair and something wicked too in her eye her fingers ran forgetfully through the hair on her forehead pushing it back and the marks of smallpox showed the contrast with her smooth cheeks gave her a weird look parpon got quickly on the table again and sat like a turk with a furtive eye on her who can tell he said at last that musket has not been fired for years it would not kill a bird the shot would scatter but it might kill a man a man is bigger kill a man she showed her white teeth with a savage little smile of course it is all guess i asked ferret what he would shoot and he said nothing good to eat i said i would eat what he killed then he got pretty mad and said i couldn't eat my own head holy that was funny for ferret then i told him there was no good going to the bois noir for there would be nothing to shoot well did i speak true madame julie she was conscious of something new in parpon 
she could not define it presently she got to her feet and said i don't believe you you're a monkey a monkey can climb a tree quick a man has to take the shot as it comes he stretched up his powerful arms with a swift motion as of climbing laughed and added madame julie ferret has poor eyes he could not see a hole in a ladder but he has a kink in his head about the boy noir people have talked pshaw julie said crumpling her apron and throwing it out he is a child and a coward he should not play with a gun it might go off and hit him parpon hopped down and trotted to the door then he turned and said with a sly gurgle ferret keeps at that gun what is good there will be nobody at the boy noir any more i will go and tell him she rushed at him with fury but seeing annette benoit in the road she stood still and beat her foot angrily on the doorstep she was ripe for a quarrel and she would say something hateful to annette for she never forgot that ferret had asked annette to be his wife before herself was considered she smoothed out her wrinkled apron and waited good day annette she said loftily good day julie was the quiet reply will you come in i'm going to the mill for flaxseed benoit has rheumatism poor benoit said julie with a meaning toss of her head poor benoit responded annette gently her voice was always sweet one would never have known that benoit was a drunken idler come in i will give you the meal from my own then it will cost you nothing said julie with an air thank you julie but i would rather pay i do not sell my meal answered julie what's a few pounds of meal to the wife of ferrette i will get it for you come in annette she turned towards the door then stopped all at once there was the oatmeal which she had thrown at parpon the basin and the poker she wished she had not asked annette in but in some things she had a quick wit and she hurried to say it was that yellow cat of parpon's it spilt the meal and i went at it with the poker perhaps annette believed her she did not think about it one way or the other her mind was with the sick benoit she nodded and said nothing hoping that the flaxseed would be got at once but when she saw that julie expected an answer she said cecilia my little girl has a black cat so handsome it came from the house of the poor seigneur de la riviere a year ago we took it back but it would not stay annette spoke simply and frankly but her words cut like a knife julie responded with a click of malice look out that the black cat doesn't kill the dear cecilia annette started but she did not believe that cats sucked the life from children's lungs and she replied calmly i am not afraid the good god keeps my child she then got up and came to julie and said it is a pity julie that you have not a child a child makes all right julie was 
wild to say a fierce thing for it seemed that annette was setting off benoit against ferrette but the next moment she grew hot her eyes smarted and there was a hint of trouble at her throat she had lived very fast in the last few hours and it was telling on her she could not rule herself she could not play a part so well as she wished she had not before felt the thing that gave a new pulse to her body and a joyful pain at her breasts her eyes got thickly blurred so that she could not see annette and without a word she hurried to get the meal she was silent when she came back she put the meal into annette's hands she felt that she would like to talk of armand she knew now there was no evil thought in annette she did not like her more for that but she felt she must talk and annette was safe so she took her arm sit down annette she said you come so seldom but there is benoit and the child the child has the black cat from the house there was again a sly ring to julie's voice and she almost pressed annette into a chair well it must be only a minute were you at the funeral to-day julie began no i was nursing benoit but the poor seigneur they say he died without confession no one was there except monsieur medallion the little chemist old sylvie and monsieur armand but of course you have heard everything is that all you know queried julie not much more i go out little and no one comes to me except the little chemist's wife she is a good woman what did she say only something of the night the seigneur died he was sitting in his chair not afraid but very sad we can guess by and by he raised his head quickly i hear a voice in the tall porch he said they thought he was dreaming but he said other things and cried again that he heard his son's voice in the porch they went and found monsieur armand then a great supper was got ready and he sat very grand at the head of the table but died quickly when making a grand speech it was strange he was so happy for he did not confess he hadn't absolution this was more than julie had heard she showed excitement the seigneur and monsieur armand were good friends when he died she asked quite all at once annette remembered the old talk about armand and julie she was confused she wished she could get up and run away but haste would look strange you were at the funeral she added after a minute everybody was there i suppose monsieur armand looks very fine and strange after his long travel said annette shyly rising to go he was always the grandest gentleman in the province answered julie in her old vain manner you should have seen the women look at him to-day but they are nothing to him he is not easy to please good day said annette shocked and sad moving from the door suddenly she turned and laid a hand on julie's arm come and see my sweet cecilia she said 
she is gay she will amuse you she was thinking again what a pity it was that julie had no child to see cecilia and the black cat very well some day you could not have told what she meant but as annette turned away again she glanced at the mill and there high up in the dormer window sat parpon his yellow cat on his shoulder grinning down at her she wheeled and went into the house part two parpon sat in the dormer window for a long time the cat purring against his head and not seeming the least afraid of falling though its master was well out on the window ledge he kept mumbling to himself ho ho frette is below there with the gun rubbing and rubbing at the rust holy mother how it will kick but he will only meddle if she set her eye at him and come up bold and said frette go and have your whisky wine and then to bed he would sneak away but he has heard something some fool perhaps that benoit no he is sick perhaps the herb woman has been talking and he thinks he will make a fuss but it will be nothing and monsieur armand will he look at her he chuckled at the cat which set its head back and hissed in reply then he sang something to himself parpon was a poor little dwarf with a big head but he had one thing which made up for all though no one knew it or at least he thought so the cure himself did not know he had a beautiful voice even in speaking it was pleasant to hear though he roughened it in a way it pleased him that he had something of which the finest man or woman would be glad he had said to himself many times that even armand de la riviere would envy him sometimes parpon went away off into the bois and perched there in a tree sang away a man shaped something like an animal with a voice like a muffled silver bell some of his songs he had made himself wild things broken thoughts not altogether human the language of a world between man and the spirits but it was all pleasant to hear even when at times there ran a weird dark thread through the woof no one in the valley had ever heard the thing he sang softly as he sat looking down at julie the little white smoke blows there blows here the little blue wolf comes down say la and the hill dwarf laughs in the young wife's ear when the devil comes back to town say la it was crooned quietly but it was distinct and melodious and the cat purred an accompaniment its head thrust into his thick black hair from where parpon sat he could see the house with the tall porch and as he sang his eyes ran from the miller's doorway to it off in the grounds of the dead seigneur's manor he could see a man push the pebbles with his foot or twist the branch of a shrub thoughtfully as he walked at last another man entered the garden the two greeted warmly and passed up and down together part three my good friend 
said the cure it is too late to mourn for those lost years nothing can give them back as parpon the dwarf said you remember him a wise little man that parpon as he said one day for everything you lose you get something if only how to laugh at yourself armand nodded thoughtfully and answered you are right you and parpon but i cannot forgive myself he was so fine a man tall with a grand look and a tongue like a book ah yes i can laugh at myself for a fool he thrust his hands into his pockets and tapped the ground nervously with his foot shrugging his shoulders a little the priest took off his hat and made the sacred gesture his lips moving armand caught off his hat also and said you pray for him for the peace of a good man's soul he did not confess he had no rights of the church he had refused you many years my son he had a confessor armand raised his eyebrows they told me of no one it was the angel of patience they walked on again for a time without a word at last the cure said you will remain here i cannot tell this here is a small world and the little life may fret me nor do i know what i have of this he waved his hands towards the house or of my father's property i may need to be a wanderer again god forbid have you not seen the will i have got no farther than his grave was the sombre reply the priest sighed they paced the walk again in silence at last the cure said you will make the place cheerful as it once was you are persistent replied the young man smiling whoever lives here should make it less gloomy we shall soon know who is to live here see there is monsieur garon and monsieur medallion also the avocat to tell secrets the auctioneer to sell them eh armand went forward to the gate like most people he found medallion interesting and the avocat and he were old friends you did not send for me monsieur said the avocat timidly but i thought it well to come that you might know how things are and monsieur medallion came because he is a witness to the will and in a case here the little man coughed nervously joint executor with monsieur le cure they entered the house in a business-like way armand motioned them to chairs opened the curtains and rang the bell the old housekeeper appeared a sorrowful joy in her face and armand said give us a bottle of the white top sylvie if there is any left there is plenty monsieur she said none has been drunk these twelve years the avocat coughed and said hesitatingly to armand i asked parpon the dwarf to come monsieur there is a reason armand raised his eyebrows in surprise very good he said when will he be here he's waiting at the louis quince hotel i will send for him said armand and gave the message to sylvie who was entering the room 
after they had drunk the wine placed before them there was silence for a moment for all were wondering why parpon should be remembered in the seigneur's will well said medallion at last a strange little dog is parpon i could surprise you about him and there isn't any reason why i should keep the thing to myself one day i was up among the rocks looking for a strayed horse i got tired and lay down in the shade of the rock of red pigeons you know it i fell asleep something waked me i got up and heard the finest singing you can guess not like any i ever heard a wild beautiful shivery sort of thing i listened for a long time at last it stopped then something slid down the rock i peeped out and saw parpon toddling away the cure stared incredulously the avocat took off his glasses and tapped his lips musingly armand whistled softly so said armand at last we have the jewel in the toad's head the clever imp hid it all these years even from you monsieur le cure even from me said the cure smiling then gravely it is strange the angel in the stunted body are you sure it's an angel said armand whoever knew parpon do any harm queried the cure he's always been kind to the poor put in the avocat with the miller's flower laughed medallion a pardonable sin he gave a quizzical look at the cure do you remember the words of parpon's song asked armand only a few lines and those not easy to understand unless one had an inkling had you the inkling perhaps monsieur replied medallion seriously they eyed each other we will have parpon in after the will is read said armand suddenly looking at the avocat the avocat drew the deed from his pocket he looked up hesitatingly and then said to armand you insist on it being read now armand nodded coolly after a quick glance at medallion then the avocat began and read to that point where the seigneur bequeathed all his property to his son should he return on a condition when the avocat came to the condition armand stopped him i do not know in the least what it may be he said but there is only one by which i could feel bound i will tell you my father and i quarrelled here he paused for a moment clenching his hands before him on the table about a woman and years of misery came i was to blame in not obeying him i ought not to have given any cause for gossip whatever the condition as to that matter may be i will fulfil it my father is more to me than any woman in the world his love of me was greater than that of any woman i know the world and women there was a silence he waved his hand to the avocat to go on and as he did so the cure caught his arm with a quick affectionate gesture then Monsieur garon read the conditions that ferrette the miller should have a deed of the land on which his mill was built with the dam of the mill provided that armand should never so much as by a word again address 
julie the miller's wife if he agreed to the condition with solemn oath before the curé his blessing would rest upon his dear son whom he still hoped to see before he died when the reading ceased there was silence for a moment then armand stood up and took the will from the avocat but instantly without looking at it handed it back the reading is not finished he said and if i do not accept the condition what then again monsieur garon read his voice trembling a little the words of the will ran but if this condition be not satisfied i bequeath to my son armand the house known as the house with the tall porch and the land according to the deed thereof and the residue of my property with the exception of two thousand dollars which i leave to the cure of the parish the good monsieur fabre i bequeath to parpon the dwarf then followed a clause providing that in any case parpon should have in fee simple the land known as the boy noir and the hut thereon armand sprang to his feet in surprise blurting out something then sat down quietly took the will and read it through carefully when he had finished he looked inquiringly first at monsieur garon then at the cure why parpon he said searchingly the cure amazed spread out his hands in a helpless way at that moment sylvie announced parpon armand asked that he should be sent in we'll talk of the will afterwards he added parpon trotted in the door closed and he stood blinking at them armand put a stool on the table sit here parpon he said medallion caught the dwarf under the arms and lifted him on the table parpon looked at armand furtively the wild hawk comes back to its nest he said well well what is it you want with the poor parpon he sat down and dropped his chin in his hands looking round keenly armand nodded to medallion and medallion to the priest but the priest nodded back again then medallion said you and i know the rock of red pigeons parpon it is a good place to perch one's voice is all to oneself there as you know well sing us the song of the little brown diver parpon's hands twitched in his beard he looked fixedly at medallion presently he turned towards the cure and shrank so that he looked smaller still it's all right little son said the cure kindly turning sharply on medallion when was it you heard he said medallion told him he nodded then sat very still they said nothing but watched him they saw his eyes grow distant and absorbed and his face took on a shining look so that its ugliness was almost beautiful all at once he slid from the stool and crouched on his knees then he sent out a low long note like the toll of the bell-bird from that time no one stirred as he sang but sat and watched him they did not even hear sylvie steal in gently and stand in the curtains at the door 
the song was weird with a strange thrilling charm it had the slow dignity of a chant the roll of an epic the delight of wild beauty it told of the little good folk of the scarlet hills in vague allusive phrases their noiseless wanderings their sojourning with the eagle the wolf and the deer their triumph over the winds the whirlpools and the spirits of evil fame it filled the room with the cry of the west wind it called out of the frozen seas ghosts of forgotten worlds it coaxed the soft breezes out of the south it made them all to be at the whistle of the scarlet hunter who ruled the north then passing through veil after veil of mystery it told of a grand seigneur whose boat was overturned in a whirlpool and was saved by a little brown diver and the end of it all and the heart of it all was in the last few lines clear of allegory and the wheel goes round in the village mill and the little brown diver he tells the grain and the grand seigneur he has gone to meet the little good folk of the scarlet hills at first all were so impressed by the strange power of parpon's voice that they were hardly conscious of the story he was telling but when he sang of the seigneur they began to read his parable their hearts throbbed painfully as the last notes died away armand got up and standing by the table said parpon you saved my father's life once parpon did not answer will you not tell him my son said the cure rising still parpon was silent the son of your grand seigneur asks you a question parpon said medallion soothingly oh my grand seigneur said parpon throwing up his hands once he said to me come my brown diver and live with me but i said no i am not fit i will never go to you at the house with the tall porch and i made him promise that he would never tell of it and so i have lived sometimes with old ferret then he laughed strangely again and sent a furtive look at armand parpon said armand gently our grand seigneur has left you the boy noir for your own so the hills and the rock of red pigeons are for you and the little good people if you like parpon with fiery eyes gathered himself up with a quick movement then broke out oh my grand seigneur my grand seigneur and fell forward his head and his arms laughing and sobbing together armand touched his shoulder parpon but parpon shrank away armand turned to the rest i do not understand it gentlemen parpon does not like the young seigneur as he liked the old medallion sitting in the shadows smiled he understood armand continued as for this testament gentlemen i will fulfil its conditions though i swear were i otherwise minded regarding the woman here parpon raised his head swiftly i would not hang my hat for an hour in the tall porch they rose and shook hands then the wine was poured out and they drank it off in silence parpon however sat with his head in his hands come little comrade drink 
said medallion offering him a glass parpon made no reply but caught up the will kissed it put it into armand's hand and then jumping down from the table ran to the door and disappeared through it part four the next afternoon the avocat visited old ferrette ferrette was polishing a gun mumbling the while sitting on some bags of meal was parpon with a fierce twinkle in his eye monsieur garon told ferrette briefly what the seigneur had left him with a quick greedy chuckle ferrette threw the gun away man alive said he tell me all about it all the good news there's nothing to tell he left it that is all oh the good seigneur cried ferrette the grand seigneur someone laughed scornfully in the doorway it was julie look there she cried he gets the land and throws away the gun brag and coward miller it is for me to say the grand seigneur she tossed her head she thought the old seigneur had relented towards her she turned away to the house with a flaunting air and got her hat at first she thought she would go to the house with the tall porch but she changed her mind and went to the boy noir instead parpon followed her a distance off behind in the mill ferrette was chuckling and rubbing his hands meanwhile armand was making his way towards the boy noir all at once in the shade of a great pine he stopped he looked about him astonished this is the old place what a fool i was then he said at that moment julie came quickly and lifted her hands towards him armand beloved armand she said armand looked at her sternly from her feet to her pitted forehead then wheeled and left her without a word she sank in a heap on the ground there was a sudden burst of tears and then she clenched her hands with fury someone laughed in the trees above her a shrill wild laugh she looked up frightened parpon presently dropped down beside her it was as i said whispered the dwarf and he touched her shoulder this was the full cup of shame she was silent there are others he whispered again she could not see his strange smile but she noticed that his voice was not as usual listen he urged and he sang softly over her shoulder for quite a minute she was amazed sing again she said i have wanted to sing to you like that for many years he replied and he sang a little more he cannot sing like that he wheedled and he stretched his arm around her shoulder she hung her head then flung it back again as she thought of armand i hate him she cried i hate him you will not throw meal on me any more or call me an idiot he pleaded no parpon she said he kissed her on the cheek she did not resent it but now he drew away smiled wickedly at her and said 
see we are even now poor julie then he laughed holding his little sides with huge hands imbecile he added and turning trotted away towards the rock of red pigeons she threw herself face forward in the dusty needles of the pine when she rose from her humiliation her face was as one who had seen the rags of harlequinade stripped from that mummer life leaving only naked being she had touched the limits of the endurable her sordid little hopes had split into fragments but when a human soul faces upon its past and sees a gargoyle at every milestone where an angel should be and in one flash of illumination the touch of genius to the smallest mind understands the pitiless comedy there comes the still stoic outlook julie was transformed all the possible years of her life were gathered into the force of one dreadful moment dreadful and wonderful her mean vanity was lost behind the pale sincerity of her face she was sincere at last the trivial commonness was gone from her coquetting shoulders and drooping eyelids and from her body had passed its flexuous softness she was a woman suffering human paying the price she walked slowly the way that parpon had gone looking neither to right nor left she climbed the long hillside and at last reached the summit where bundled in a steep corner was the rock of red pigeons as she emerged from the pines she stood for a moment and leaned with outstretched hand against a tree looking into the sunlight slowly her eyes shifted from the rock to the great ravine to whose farther side the sun was giving bastions of gold she was quiet presently she stepped into the light and came softly to the rock she walked slowly round it as though looking for some one at the lowest side of the rock rude narrow hollows were cut for the feet with a singular ease she climbed to the top of it it had a kind of hollow in which was a rude seat carved out of the stone seeing this a set look came to her face she was thinking of parpon the master of this place her business was with him she got down slowly and came over to the edge of the precipice steadying herself against a sapling she looked over down below was a whirlpool rising and falling a hungry funnel of death she drew back presently she peered again and once more withdrew she gazed round and then made another tour of the hill searching she returned to the precipice as she did so she heard a voice she looked and saw parpon seated upon a ledge of rock not far below a mocking laugh floated up to her but there was trouble in the laugh too a bitter sickness she did not notice that she looked about her not far away was a stone too heavy to carry but perhaps not too heavy to roll foot by foot she rolled it over she looked he was still there she stepped back as she did so a few pebbles crumbled away from her feet 
and fell where parpon perched she did not see or hear them fall he looked up and saw the stone creeping upon the edge like a flash he was on his feet and springing into the air to the right caught a tree steadfast in the rock the stone fell upon the ledge and bounded off again the look of the woman did not follow the stone she ran to the spot above the whirlpool and sprang out and down from parpon there came a wail such as the hills of the north never heard before dropping upon a ledge beneath and from that to a jutting tree which gave way he shot down into the whirlpool he caught julie's body as it was churned from life to death and then he fought there was a demon in the whirlpool but god and demon were working in the man nothing on earth could have unloosed that long brown arm from julie's drenched body the sun lifted an eyelid over the yellow bastions of rock and saw the fight once twice the shaggy head was caught beneath the surface but at last the man conquered inch by inch foot by foot parpon with the lifeless julie clamped in one arm climbed the rough wall on on up to the rock of red pigeons he bore her to the top of it then he laid her down and pillowed her head on his wet coat the huge hands came slowly down julie's soaked hair along her blanched cheek and shoulders caught her arms and held them he peered into her face the eyes had the film which veils here from hereafter on the lips was a mocking smile he stooped as if to kiss her the smile stopped him he drew back for a time then he leaned forward shut his eyes and her cold lips were his twilight dusk night came upon parpon and his dead the woman whom an impish fate had put into his heart with mockery and feudal pain end of section sixteen